Alright, well today we do turn to Proverbs 31. You know, last week I was looking through some old sermons. I keep a lot of these on my computer. I mean, in the 15 years of ministry, a lot of sermon preparation, I mean, I literally have thousands of different sermons I keep and refer back to from time to time. And partly it's because I don't want to be too redundant. So I began to look last week and finding out, well, what did we preach on last year for Mother's Day or the year before that in the effort to be able to not preach on the exact same thing two consecutive years in a row? Because you know, sometimes you have these narrow passages you can speak about and talk about and, and preach on on special days like Mother's Day or Easter or Christmas and so forth. So you try not to be too redundant. So looking back and cruising through some old files and some old messages, and I clicked on Proverbs folder thinking that probably I would see something for Proverbs 31. And when I clicked on my Proverbs folder, there was no message for Proverbs 31. And I was thinking... I, in all the years, I've never preached on Mother's Day on Proverbs 31. And it, I, apparently, I hadn't, or if I did, I didn't save it to remember. But it, it was kind of surprising because Proverbs 31, actually a very popular passage that maybe has been expressed a lot today in churches across the country for Mother's Day. And it's highly probable then that maybe even heard a message today on Mother's Day regarding Proverbs 31. But yet, that's where we turn this morning for Proverbs 31. Now, my hope is that it's not too redundant or too repetitive to any message you've heard before, but yet also just a little bit similar because the goal today is to honor our mothers, the godly women present today, with the words written in Proverbs 31. So with that, then, let's go to the text in Proverbs 31. Stand with me this morning as we do to honor the reading of the word. Again, it's Proverbs 31. We're going to read the entirety of it. Sometimes that's not done, so that might be a little bit different. But it's 31 verses of Proverbs 31, and here's what the words tell us. Notice the caption in my Bible says the words of King Lemuel, and it then says this. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what they have decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty. And remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for all for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusted her, and he will have and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and work with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night, provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. 
She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to those to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household, and does not eat the bride of the bread of elder idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and of her works praise her in the gates. Father, when we come before you today, Lord, just reading a psalm or a Proverbs, Lord, that refers to a virtuous woman, to a godly woman. Today, Lord, we read a text that might be a little bit intimidating for some. Lord, I pray today that we would not be intimidated by the words being written here. Maybe that we would even try to maybe measure up to these words that are written here. But yet, Lord, we would just receive a message for all of us, not just the women here today, Lord, although we honor them. But a message today, Lord, in which we can all see we need to live in the best that we can a godly life. So lead and direct us here today, Lord. So we can maybe go about changing one of our ways. So we can be more godly to those around us and be helpful to those in need. Thank you, Lord, for what shall happen here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Well, note, if you will, while the text we read, as I mentioned, typically refers or applied to mothers, it is actually written to a man. Look in verse 2. Again, we read verse 1, the words of King Lemuel. But notice in verse 2, the words are, What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Three different times the mother, King Lemuel's mother, Ask your son what he is doing. Now, the question that enters my mind when I look at how it maybe is written in for a son by the mother is what could have, what could she think that she had been, he had been doing? I mean, if she takes an opportunity to write an oracle or write to her son, maybe these words of wisdom, in my mind I begin to think what is it possibly that she thinks that he could be doing? And the thing that popped in my mind just after I began to think that is that maybe she thinks that possibly he is looking for a godly woman to be his mate, to be with. And with that thought, and maybe if that is the answer, maybe the next question that we could ask is why? Why does King Lemuel's mother write such an oracle or write such words to her son? That is, I mean, she's basically listing all the characteristics throughout all these verses of the godly woman. So why is she doing this? Why, why, why is she finding it necessary to maybe point out to King Lemuel the characteristics he should find of a godly woman? I mean, why does she even maybe desire that for him? So I began to ponder that as well. And then two other questions popped in my mind that maybe we need to dig deeper upon about maybe why she's doing that. And those two questions were, 
well, what kind of woman does our society today deem worthy to honor? And then along with that, what kind of woman does God honor? And we'll notice in just a moment as we begin to ponder these things and answer maybe these two questions, they don't align with each other. What God would see about a woman to honor is not necessarily what the world was find about a woman to honor. So again, the first question to maybe entertain here for just a moment is what kind of woman does our society, our culture today, the world today, deem worthy to honor? And perhaps you already know this, and maybe you already know the answer, but it seems that the world tends to honor women for one of two reasons. Number one, because of their outward beauty and charm. Or secondly, perhaps they honor a woman because they've actually accomplished something to go out and beat men at their own game, whether it be business, government, or sports. Now, maybe you've noticed this about how women are recognized or how they're deemed worthy to honor in our society. I mean, it seems so much value is placed upon physical appearance. Many women spend an entire lifetime trying to gain or trying to preserve or trying to accomplish what the world defines as a perfect body and face. Because they're trying to be worthy of honor according to the world's standards. I mean, in short, a lot of women spend a lot of time and money trying to be Barbie. And nobody can measure up to Barbie. But that's who they try to be because they always find the world telling us that's what you find about a woman and what you can honor, about their charm and their beauty. And further then, the second thing we find about how they find a woman worthy to honor is that when a woman actually accomplishes something, the world's tendency is to always downgrade women and their accomplishments. So when they've actually done something in which they should be excelled, then they go ahead and take a moment to honor them and recognize them when they reach a certain level. And again, it applies to sports and government and business. And we've seen it recently. I mean, it'll make no difference what you think about the vice president or the newly nominated and elected Supreme Court of the United States. Those women are being honored and recognized because of an accomplishment. Kamala Harris is the first vice president who is a woman. She's reached a certain level. So she's deemed by our society to be honored. Katanji Brown Jackson, most recently, first black lady to be nominated and actually elected to the Supreme Court of the United States. So society says, well, she's worthy and deemed to be honored. The women's national soccer team in the United States has held great accomplishments, especially compared to the men's team, which seems to fail all the time. So they recognize them constantly. So we, we find then that it don't, you know, it don't matter what you think about any of these people. That's how society says, either by beauty and charm or by a certain level of accomplishment, that women are worthy to be honored. It's just a matter of fact of how women today are honored in our society, how they're recognized. But then this contrast that to what kind of woman does God honor? And God honors women in much different manner than our society. In fact, the biblical idea for womanhood is completely countercultural. I mean, what the Bible says about the woman and how they should be honored is completely contradictory to what the world would tell us. I mean, in fact, why our society today 
is trying to obliterate the distinction between men and women. Notably, in Proverbs 31, we find a wife who described to be centered on the Lord serving her and also for her husband and family. It's kind of what's written in Genesis chapter 2. You find in chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Believe me, that is completely true. We cannot be alone. We need woman. And God knew that. We needed a suitable helper. We needed a mate. So it says, I will make him a helper fit for him. So verse 21, the Lord calls, as we know, we know the text, a deep sleep to fall upon the man. While he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed up the place in his flesh. The rib, the Lord God, taken from man, he made into woman and brought her to man. He said, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24 then says, a man shall leave his father and mother, will fast his wife, they should become one flesh. I mean, it begins to tell us that God designed then man. He originally made man, but then he took the rib from Adam to make woman, to make him a suitable helper and a mate. But the world today doesn't even mention anything about that. They find women to be honored in this completely different manner. And this unfortunate then, that women are viewed in society much more different than the way God planned it. I mean, to God, notably to God, men and women are equal. Now, he has separate roles and functions for men and women, but both are equal and precious in his sight, meaning that he don't love men more than women. He loves everyone beautiful in his sight, both men and women together. But unfortunately, that's not the case we find in society, as we duly noted. And, and then because of that, women have had to fight for equality, and in many cases still fighting today for equal measure. Because society just don't always see men and women as being equal. Again, they're separate functions and roles, but we are equal. I heard on the news this past week that in Afghanistan, the Taliban has taken control again. The United States pulled out their forces, and now the Taliban has went back and controlled the country. What that has resulted in for women is completely derogatory. Women, according to the news report I seen yesterday, have got to wear these full burkas. I mean, they already have a lot of face coverings anyway. But the burqa I seen yesterday women wearing had some little mesh right here so they could see, and the rest of the entire body was covered. Not only that, the news report also said that little girls, after a certain age, like maybe age of that, that page is, 11, 12 years of old, can no longer go to school. It's not necessary for them to go to school past the age of maybe 11, 12 years of old. I mean, so women are being severely abused again and mistreated in Afghanistan. And it happens constantly where women have to fight for equality. So what God defines in, about a woman to be honored and recognized is greatly different than the way society finds a woman to be honored. And it's highly unfortunate. So returning to the text then, after you make that, that, that note, we find then King Lemuel's mother. And for whatever reason, she's writing to her son to give him some word of advice and offers then characteristics of a godly woman. Because what God finds about women, as we noted, is so much different than what society finds. And so we need to go back to the text then and find out these characteristics of the godly woman, which is going to help 
King Lamel's mother find him perhaps a suitable mate? So in verse 3, we go back to the text and we find King Lemuel's mother telling him, do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. I reword that into the characteristic as the wrong kind of woman can ruin you. And that's not derogatory in any way. I mean, the fact is that we should be seeking out for our sons, for those the sons we have that want to be marrying the women, we should be seeking out for them a very godly, virtuous woman. But notice here how, before beginning the magnificent description of a wife of excellence begins in verse 10, the king's mother warns him against the vices that can destroy him and weaken his kingdom. It was common in that day. When she's writing this oracle, when she's writing these words to her son, it was common that day for a king to have a harem. All kinds of women available all around him all the time. So the king, Lemuel's mother, is warning him about the adultery that can occur and that can have a debilitating effect on one's mind and body. And that's not the only place you see this in, in the Bible. We can find evidence of this for two well-known kings, David and Solomon. David. We've reviewed before David and and how he had that moment of weakness of Bathsheba that ultimately led to his downfall, as well as multiple problems in his kingdom and his family. But there's also then his son Solomon, who is known as the wisest man to ever live. But Solomon wasn't so wise when it came to choosing women. He married women for the wrong reasons, many times for simply business. And he acquired many concubines. So as it was with his father, David, for Solomon, it also eventually led to his ruin. So wisely then, King Lemuel's mother starts by telling her son, son, don't choose the wrong kind of woman because it can lead to your ruin. Again, it's not derogatory towards women, but simply a mother looking out for her son to choose a woman of virtue. And also notice then that King Lemuel's mother informs her son an excellent wife will contribute to your success. It's a summation, really, verses 10 through 12, that an excellent wife will contribute to your success. Although husbands may not be forthcoming in admitting it, right, men? An excellent, fantabulous wife is a tremendous help. Amen? Wake up now. And Husbands, we need to admit that we need our wife, and she helps us. She greatly contributes to our success. I mean, it's sad that in society today that men won't say that. I mean, it's like we got a lot of pride and ego in something we've accomplished. I mean, by what we've done. Yeah, we've done it. And we don't truly find then that the reason we may have had success, if any at all, is because we have an excellent wife that is helping us in the effort. She's excellent in every way contributing to his success. I mean, like, her excellence equals his success. And we just need to recognize that and stand up and shout out and, and thank her for what all she does. It's really interesting that this excellent wife that's written about here that we're trying to recognize here this morning that we are blessed with, that Jim Neuheiser finds a parallel to the word excellent. He says the Hebrew word translated excellent or virtuous 
is the same word translated as strength in verse 3, which we started with. He said this word was also used of valiant warriors. The weaker sex is not weak in every sense. Such a woman is a rare and valuable gift from God. Just as God made Eve from the flesh of Adam, only God can create a woman like this for you. Just as a young man is exhorted to search for wisdom, he should earnestly search out a woman like this, not selling for less. Now, a lot of us in this room are already married. So, Micah, Jackson, some of you not married yet, Levi, you're in the back, Isaac's not here this morning, but listen, seek out a virtuous woman. Caleb's already back here saying, I agree. But King Lemuel's mother instructs her son to find a woman that will contribute to his success. Women do that. There's so many sacrifices, so many things they do behind the scenes. They're never actually noticed by men, but they actually help us tremendously, and we're grateful for that. Even though you may not hear it near enough, or maybe at all, we're grateful for all the sacrifices you make, and you help us, because it seems like we get success. We get the accolades, and it truly belongs to you. So we thank you because our success is the cause of an excellent wife. And that's what the verses tell us. But notice before we leave verses 10 through 12, a distinguishing characteristic we cannot dismiss about the excellent wife, that she is trustworthy, that the heart of her husband trusts in her. Like trustworthy in everything, as in you can trust her faithfulness to your marriage vows. She is not flirtatious or immodest. Like when you go out of town, you don't have to worry about the fact that she'll be with another man. Or she can be trusted with your reputation. She will bear your name with dignity. She will not gossip or reveal your secrets to others. Notably men, women know every one of your secrets, especially your wife. You think you might be hiding something from her? You're probably not. She knows all your secrets, but she's not going to gossip about it. You can trust her. You can trust her with the money and your credit cards. She won't spend you into debt. You can trust her oversight of your children and your household. Basically, what we're saying in this excellent wife is that she is an asset. As Neuheiser has said in his words, his statement, his comment, such women are a rare and valuable gift. And they deserve honor and praise for their sacrifices. So notably, King Lemuel's mother is looking out for the best interest of her son, while simultaneously then listing the characteristics of a godly woman. And it continues throughout all the verses in Proverbs 31. We'd have way not enough time to go through them all. But she continues in verses 13 through 27, offering many more wonderful marks of a woman. She would love to see her son to marry. A godly woman indeed. And we can maybe then sum up all the rest of them in verses 13 through 27 by saying an excellent wife will help you in many, many ways. An excellent wife will help you in many, many ways. At first, because she is diligent. Notice how the verses refer to how she works her time effectively. Rising early in the morning in verse 15, before while it was even dark. Providing for her family. Because notice how she enjoys being busy for her hands. In verse 13. She possesses physical strength for the task. In verse 17. She assures her family is well clothed. 
as mentioned in various verses. And women do that. I mean, Sheila, as she's talking to some of the children, notice how they provide. Women just provide for their family. When we were younger, my brother and sister and I, we didn't have much money. My dad worked in a packing plant, Fort Branch, and he packing. And he, he had a modest income. And we just didn't have very much. My mom stayed home. But my mom always wanted to provide for us as kids. She always wanted to have us to have some clothing. So my mom, like a lot of women did maybe back in the day, not so much now, but she would go to the store when she had a chance to, and she'd buy, she'd buy material. And then she'd buy patterns. And she'd take it home when she'd get her sewing machine, and she'd begin to make us clothes. Now, years later, when Dad had more income, she didn't really go to the store and make, buy the, the material and make the patterns. But nonetheless, every year, it seemed like before it was time to go back to school, she would take us and get us back-to-school shoes and clothes to make sure we're properly prepared for going back to school. And that may seem extremely simple to recognize, but those are the kind of things that become marks of a godly, family-first woman and mother the kind that King Lemuel's mother wants to find for him, the kind that all women want to find for their son. It may seem simple, but that's what they want for their son and their children. Notice, if, we, if you will, how verse 14 even adds that she is like the ships of the merchants she brings her food from afar, which equates into basically that though she is busy providing for the family, making clothing, whatever, having all these other interests, she does not cut corners when it comes to feeding the family. She will go to afar to be able to accomplish what she needs to provide for her family for food. Now listen, that should not be taken for granted all today. Have you seen the cost of food today? It is tremendous. It's unbelievable. In fact, some things you can't even get off the shelf anymore. At school, we have problems all the time finding some of the things we need to feed the children. So we'll find a substitute item. You go in the store. Any kind of store today, Walmart provide groceries, save a lot, IGA, it don't matter. Some of the shelves are going to be simply empty because you cannot get what you want to provide for your family. And if you can find it, it's probably four times higher than it used to be. But notice how she will go to the extra mile, to afar, to provide food and things for her family. Those are marks. It may sound simple, but it's marks of a godly family first woman that King Lemuel Mother wants to find for her son. But not only is she diligent, note further that she is a responsible administrator. As we mentioned earlier, instead of bankrupting her husband by overspending, she's a wise woman. The wise, godly woman will not overspend. She'll even make him more prosperous, earning money by the fruit of her hands and planting a vineyard, to mention in verse 16, making linen garments in verse 24. Essentially, she is prudent with the family financial affairs. Now, many of you know this. I'm not going to reveal something to you brand new. But when it comes to managing our family finances, I am completely clueless. I don't have any idea of anything it costs for our family. Now, once upon a time, I might have remembered and have pretty much access to that. But... I'm clueless to it. I'm much too busy nowadays to find anything I can do in regards to the finances. So Sheila handles it all. In fact, every place I've ever worked, well, not every place, but most recently, the places I've worked, like Candy, if she writes a check, she gives it to Sheila. Sheila handles it to me. If Sheila writes on the back of the check, if I actually did it, they would think somebody forged the back of it. 
because I never get it. I mean, Sheila handles everything about our family finances, and I can trust her because she's going to take care of it all. I, I admit I have a wife who's frugal, and I'm blessed with that. But I was thinking about that. And I was mentioning that to my mom the other day. And she says, you're just like your dad. Well, that can be good and bad. But she meant that in that particular moment that I'm just like dad in which he didn't handle the finances either. He let mom take care of it all. So I guess my dad and I are similar in the way we're just blessed with someone who can handle all that. But that's what he's also referring to in King Lemuel's mother saying, I wish I, I some find someone who is not only diligent, but also a responsible administrator to be able to provide for the family and take care of the finances. It leads me to one commentary I was reading last week. Maybe it words it better than I can. This is a Proverbs 31 woman exhibits wisdom by planning ahead for the needs of her family. She does not procrastinate. Her household is well run because of her careful management. Again, she's the responsible administrator. Because she manages the family's resources well, she has time and money left over to help those in need. Her husband gladly delegates many important responsibilities to her. Her husband shows respect to the rise by giving them the great freedom in managing a home and not micromanaging them. And that's some words for advice for us men. If you give your wife or the woman in your life the freedom to be able to manage the finances, don't micromanage it. Let them just take care of it. You can trust them. That's the characteristics of a godly woman by King Lemuel's mother. That she's seeking for him. That she also is not only diligent, but she is a very responsible administrator. And there's many more. We're going to touch them all, but let's get a couple more. When we return to the text, we find that she is wise in her speech. It says she opened her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness on her tongue. Basically, it's saying that she is discreet. She does not get her husband in trouble by saying foolish things. Let me say that again. She does not get her husband in trouble by saying foolish things. Let me say this also. She does not nag him. She opens her mouth with wisdom and teaching the kindness on her tongue. In fact, the verse really suggests that, that she builds up her husband, builds up her children, builds up even others with her kindness and her words and her actions. Almost like what Paul talked about in Ephesians 4.29, to build up and edify others more than yourself. Notice how she's even teaching her children and her grandchildren. Like Sheila mentioned, helping them with homework and such. She is wise in her speech. But also she is home-centered. Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. I mean, basically the wife, mother, is dedicated to her family. She's a helper to her husband, as I mentioned earlier, and referred to Genesis 2.18. She's a mother simply to her children, making daily sacrifices, putting their needs first and above her needs. By taking them to practice, whether it be a sports practice or some sort of drama club or whatever it may be, and helping them against their homework. Essentially, what we're saying is that what King Lemuel's mother is looking for her son is like many mothers here today, is that she is the glue that holds the family together. The commentary I've been reading added this. Her priority in life is to be a helper to her husband. She is content to support and share in her husband's success. She ignores the screeching feminists 
who accuse her of wasting her life and claim that she needs to get out of the home to amount to anything. She emulates the Lord Jesus by having a servant's heart, which says, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Basically, she doesn't need worldly achievement accolades for fulfillment in life. And that's a pretty tall order of describe a godly family more than a woman. That she's not looking for worldly accolades. The way society, we said earlier, defines a woman to be worthy to honor, a godly woman's not looking for that. She puts all that aside. She cast away what the feminists say she needs to be doing to achieve a certain level. She simply is happy, taking care of the home, taking care of the husband. She doesn't need worldly achievement and accolades for fulfillment in life. She's not concerned one iota about the way of the world and simply goes on about being the best wife and mother she could possibly be. That's some characteristics that we find within Proverbs 31. So you begin to hear all that. And maybe you begin to process in your mind, especially if you're a woman here today, thinking, how on earth does this woman get all this done? I mean, how can she do this? What is her secret? And the secret is revealed in verse 30. The secret of her success is that she fears God. It's a charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Godly women do not succeed in their own strength. It's rather interesting that the book of Proverbs ends where it begins. In chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of knowledge. And it seems to point to the same thing here as the book begins to end. I mean, here, it just happens to be a wonderful God-fearing woman that understands the secret of success is to make sure you fear the Lord. Neheiser adds, because of the fall, virtue does not come naturally. A woman may be tempted to abandon her role as helper and may desire to dominate her husband. But the woman who turns to God in faith is forgiven her sin and receives a new nature. A common complaint I hear from some women is, I'd be an excellent wife if he were a better husband. Yet the wise woman's service to her husband is not based upon his worthiness, but Christ's. The virtuous woman does not put her ultimate trust in a man, not even her husband. She serves God in her home with the strength that God supplies. I like the wording that Neuheiser puts upon that as a finale, that that's the kind of woman that we're all looking for. That's the kind of woman we have here today. That might be the one woman that you want to emulate if you are a woman. But notice how that particular woman has strength from the Lord to help her get it all done. We can't even begin to possibly imagine all we women have to do. Because those men just don't completely understand. I mean, basically, we're stupid. And, and we'd be nothing without you. Uh, some amens there, huh? We'd be nothing without you. We have success, we have any kind of success because of who you are and the sacrifices you make. And that's what King Lemuel's mother is trying to find for her son. It's what every woman would want to have for her son. So in closing here today, then, 
this, yeah, it's a message that maybe applies to women to some degree, but we need to not leave here thinking that it's only for women. Because this application we find in Proverbs 31, in the 31 verses, and yeah, we, we covered a few of them, but not all of them, it can begin to apply to every one of us. I mean, yeah, it seems that ladies can certainly aspire to be a woman of excellence, as described, as described by King Lemuel's mother. But as I said earlier, it seems sometimes women hear Proverbs 31 and read through it like we did today, thinking there's no way I could ever measure up to that. I can't be one of them kind of women. I mean, she's too perfect. And it can be very intimidating for women to hear that and to see what's happening in this particular Proverbs in 31. But we should never feel like you have to be judged and measured up to that. Just appreciate truly who you are and how you provide for your family and how God made you for a very specific purpose and reason. And just going about fulfilling that. Every one of us have different purpose and reason. Be it also the similar in that he provided for all of us to happily live together. So whatever it is that you feel in your heart that God has led you to do, just go about doing it in the best possible way that you can. Don't be intimidated by what's written here in Proverbs 31. Just be a God-fearing woman and the best godly wife and mother you can be to your kids and to your husband. Again, everyone makes mistakes. No one's perfect. But you, ladies, can be as perfect as possible by being a God-fearing woman and living a godly life the best that you can. But it also applies to married men who are the majority in this room, that we should encourage our wife, acknowledge her to truly be a gift from God, Show that you delight in her. Love her as Christ loved you. Do all that you can to help her find joy in her job or in the home. Paul directed us, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Men, make your wife even more beautiful and spotless for the Lord by washing her. With the word of God. Now, single men, which is very few into the room, notably the teenagers, are you listening? Seek a woman of excellence. It's what your parents want for you, particularly your mother. Many young men are attracted to young ladies. I see this all the time in school, particularly in the bus, that they're attracted to young ladies because of their outward charm and beauty. Heed the wisdom and measure of a woman according to her spiritual work. Not what society says, but what God says. Choose, single men, choose a godly woman that will be with you forever. So it applies to all of us. The entire Proverbs applies to all of us. But we use it perhaps today in a way to honor our godly God-fearing women listening today are gathered here this morning. Women, again, you make tons of sacrifices. We don't always recognize it because, again, like I said, we don't maybe see the things you do. They put on blinders, but you provide for us. And we're very thankful for all the things that you do. You're making things for the Lord. You're making things for the children. You're making things for us incapable men. And we're very thankful. So today is your day. As Sheila mentioned to the children, it should not be one day, but every day that you're told that you're loved, that you're beautiful. 
We love you. Enjoy your day today. Father, Lord, thank you for the fact that can, we can take part of a Proverbs, Lord, and apply it to perhaps a situation in our life. Lord, most importantly, just again, let's recognize that there are God-fearing, godly women in our presence today. Or those women who may be not here today, but listening later. So we're thankful again, Lord, for all the women who are listening or here today. That's how they provide for us many different roles, many different situations to contribute to any kind of success we have. So, Lord, today, again, as we prayed earlier, a blessing, certainly, Lord, to be upon them. Bless them this day, Lord. Let them have a wonderful afternoon of joy and happiness. They deserve it. Lord, also, as men today, young men and as older men, let us heed this message and truly appreciate the woman that you gave to us. Let us love on her today. Let us love on her and praise her today, Lord, for all that she does and for all the sacrifices. Lord, thank you again for this message here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.